Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sand Hill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sand Hill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sand Hill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. So, I want to start out with the title. If you have the notes, you already see it, but I would like to start out with a question. It is a very powerful question. I would put it down as a huge question. I would put it down as a game changer. Uh, when we get the answer to this question, I hope to give you the answer before the, the message is over. But why... Uh, Christians don't sin. Why Christians don't sin? Now, it would seem to me we've been studying through the book of Romans, and, and maybe many of you wonder why are we studying through the book of Romans, but it is one of the clearest pictures of salvation in the entirety of the Word of God, the book of Romans is. But it seems like we have spent a lot of time uh, talking about uh, how we're all sinners, right? And, and uh, I think some people are confused because I say on a continual basis that we all sin, uh, but then in the next breath we will say, but Christians don't sin, right? And, and people get confused about that. But I hope that we have established the fact that if you were here this morning and you are a Christian, you are still a sinner. You, you still have sinful tendencies. You still have sinful desires. You still struggle with sin. But... I hope, and we're going to learn this morning in chapter 6, I hope that we understand Christians are not to sin. Amen? And, and, and that's just a clear teaching of the Word of God. But the question on the table, why don't Christians sin? And I think the answer to that question will really determine the rest of your uh, walk with the Lord. And I think it's a very, again, a game changer, a, a very powerful uh, question when we really begin to meditate upon it. So some would say this, and, and I'm just guessing this morning, I'm, I'm guessing if I went over this entire congregation and, and asked everybody here, I'm guessing that every single person here would tell me Christians should not sin. I think we get 100% unanimous vote, Okay. But then if I would ask you, why is it that Christians don't sin? I think we would get a multitude of different answers. And some of the answers might go something like this. I don't sin because God commanded me not to. God says it. I have to do it because I'm a Christian. That sounds pretty good. I think it's the wrong answer, but it sounds pretty good. So simply stated, stated, God tells me in his word, I'm not allowed to lie, so I don't lie because God says so. That might not be completely wrong, but I'm quite sure it's not completely right. Because that comes down to living by a list that God makes, and so you get saved, you come and give your heart to the Lord, you get up, we give you this list, and thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not... And we go through the list, and you do this, and you are a Christian. How many of you know that's not what it is to be a Christian? It's not keeping a list. It is not, it is not just going through uh, uh, the commands and doing them. Others would say, maybe another response we would get, I would ask you, why don't you sin? And someone might say, I don't sin because I don't want to go to hell. Again, 
Maybe that's a good answer. But I don't believe it's the best answer. Because then it becomes you doing what is right so you can deserve to go to heaven. Haven't we spent a lot of time learning that's not what the Bible says, right? It isn't you not doing something wrong so you will deserve to go to heaven. And so, so that, I don't believe that is a, I don't believe that is the biblical answer we're looking for. <clears throat> now, I've heard a lot of people say this even lately in this church. Some would say, I don't sin. I'm afraid something bad will happen to me. <laughs> you should say that. I mean, maybe God will give me a bad disease. Maybe something will happen to my family. I'll lose my job. You know, I'm, I'm afraid to sin. I'm afraid to do something bad because, because there might be something bad happen to me. It's a consequence. Now, I agree there are consequences to sin, and I agree that uh, uh, sometimes we reap what we sow, but if you're living your Christian life because you're afraid of what God's going to do to you, and that's the reason you're not sinning, can I tell you, you're missing the whole point? You're missing the whole point, right? So I believe all of those answers don't really own up to what the Bible says, <clears throat> I've said this lat number four. I've, I've said this before. I've probably preached it to you guys before. It may not be completely an error, but after this morning, I don't believe that it is accurate either. What about this fact? I don't sin because I love Jesus. Now, that's a pretty good answer. I, I've said that, right? I've preached that. I've promoted that. That's a pretty good answer. But I believe that still is not the answer we're looking for, and I believe it's not the biblical answer. So, so let me, let me before I give you the biblical answer that I believe that we're, we're going to find out this morning, <clears throat> those of you that were here uh, for the gospel conversation, I absolutely love this. I, I use, I, it kind of bounces off the illustration I use often. But this is what they said. If we're going to sit down and we're going to teach people the Bible. And, and they actually taught us how to teach people the Bible. But they, this is what they said. Now think about how profound this is. They said, read them the Bible and let them say, what does the Bible say? Do you see how that's different than read them the Bible and then you tell them what it means? It, it, what it's saying is, we don't need your opinions, your traditions, your what you've been taught, what grandma said. We need what does thus saith the word of God. Is that what everybody here wants this morning? Well, this is what the Bible says. Now, I've said this so many times, if we were on a desert island, never had any Bible, never had any teaching, never had any background whatsoever, and a, and a Bible was dropped down to us and we read it, I'm guessing our theology would be much, much different than it is today if we just did what the Bible said. So this morning... Maybe, maybe you like some of those answers that I gave that I said were incorrect. But how about this morning we just look and see what God says? How about if we just understand what God says? Because God's going to tell us in his word why Christians don't sin. And I don't think it's any of those reasons that we just listened. So if you'd allow me, let's back up just a little bit. We'll go through these scriptures a little bit. I want to back up and, and catch verse 20 and 21 from, from uh, chapter 5 and bring it all together because it all does go together. And we've been talking about man is sinful and we can be justified by Jesus and, and, and um, uh, 
all of the things we've been learning about how salvation works. And today we're kind of coming to uh, now we're not supposed to sin. So it says in verse number 20, chapter 5, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now we learned last week that the law was given not to keep, not to, not to be able to obey it so you could earn heaven, but the law was given so she would say, oh my goodness, I am really a sinner. Right? That's the purpose of the law. When the law is written and, and, and you read it and you say, oh man, I am guilty. Right? Uh, you know, nobody knows this is just a, a thought that somebody's had. But remember when, when they came to Jesus with the woman caught in the very act of adultery? A lot of people have speculated, Brother Charles, that when Jesus knelt down there and started writing in the sand, he started writing down their sins. Now, the Bible doesn't say that. But you know what? After, after he got through writing in the sand, you know what he said? Now, any of you guys that aren't guilty, go ahead and throw the first, throw the first rock. And they all went home. <laughs> right? They all went home, right? So... So it's kind of what the law does. When you read, you can be boasting around saying, look, and then you read law and you say, oh, man, I am guilty. Now, the whole purpose of the law was to show us we needed a savior. But it says when, when offenses abound, grace abounds more. What does that mean? Here's what I think that means. I think that means that when the law came and you really recognize how rotten you are, now all of a sudden, grace is a big deal. It makes grace, it, it makes grace a lot bigger. It makes grace a lot, a lot more important. It all of a sudden, now I can't do it. I can't earn heaven. I can't be good enough. I need grace. It makes grace bigger. And it makes grace more amazing. Because we know now, Listen, I've been telling you, if you guys have been paying attention at all, we've been, we've been beating you guys up for weeks and weeks and weeks now, telling you, you guys are all sinners. You guys aren't good enough to make it to heaven. If you get the message, now you say, how do I get there? Jesus. That's how you get to heaven. And then all of a sudden, grace is a big deal. And, and see, grace is kind of a small deal if you think you're the ones getting you to heaven. Am I making any sense at all this morning? You guys, you guys, is this registered with you guys? Okay. So then it says in verse 21... That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ. So we learned last week that before the law was given from Adam unto Moses, that death reigned because sin had come in. So the wages of sin was death. So death had reigned over all that period of time. This says that grace might reign through righteousness. So just the way that death has been reigning over the human race and everybody has been dying because of sin, grace wants to now reign over all of us that will accept him so we can have eternal life. So we get rid of death and we get life. Does that make sense to anybody? Trade in death and receive eternal life. So, if you, so Paul is making his argument. If you understand the Apostle Paul, he's a great arguer. He's a great apologist. He, he's always making an argument. So he's been making this argument through five chapters. We now go to chapter 6. He said now that we have the law that makes grace that much bigger. And then it says in verse number 1, I, I believe, this is Gary's opinion, I believe Paul is almost mocking here. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to be sinners so grace will abound? 
He just told you in the verses before that if when the law came and sin became big, that grace got bigger. He said, well, let's just keep on sinning more so grace will get bigger. And he answers it real quick. God forbid. In the strongest terms he could make it, God forbid. God forbid. You can never say that because of grace, I get to keep on sinning. Can I, can I just stop right here? I know that is very popular in churches, but anybody who says that just simply doesn't understand the Bible. If you say, I live under grace, so I'm allowed to, I'm, I'm, it's okay if I continue to sin, you don't understand the Bible. You have bad doctrine. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? God help me to be able to get this across to you guys because I think this is so life-changing. As I read that question at the end of verse 2, I don't believe that is a that it that it, I don't believe that is a question uh, that is looking for an answer. I believe that is a rhetorical question that has the answer already built on it. How shall we? It's not possible. How shall we that are dead to sin? How are you going to continue sinning if you're dead to sin? How are you going to do that? He's laying out a question here that the argument is you can't. He says, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, verse number three, were baptized unto his death. Now, let's go ahead and read verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was baptized from, was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in a newness of life. Now, this might throw you off a little bit. This might make it a little bit difficult for you. And this might conflict with some of the things you've heard before. <clears throat> Paul is making an argument that as a Christian, we have died. Now here's where the confusion comes in. Did he say we're trying to die? Did he say we're, we're, we're attempting to make ourselves dead? Did he say that this is, this is something that we need to do? He's saying, this is in the past tense, you already died. You're already dead, Right? This is something that, this is not something you're trying to accomplish. This is something that's already happened. He, he said, you died just like Jesus died. You died. So let me tell you this. If you're here this morning and you are a Christian, you are born again, you are a sinner. You have a sinful flesh. But let me tell you, if you were here this morning and you are a Christian, you're on your way to heaven, you have died to your sin. If you have not died to your sin, you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. And, and what, I, what I think is, I think often we're trying to figure out how to die. And we hear all kinds of things, take up your cross and be crucified and all these different things. We're telling, and it's like we're telling people to do what they've already done. Listen, if you're not saved, you need to, you need to be saved. But if you are saved, you've already died. And if you've already, now something is dead, can you kill it? Well, Charles, if you go out in the woods and there's an animal laying there and it's rotten and there's... Can you take your gun and kill it? It's dead. 
You, it's just dead. Listen, you can only be dead. You can't be more dead, right? And Jesus is saying, we've already died out, but we're trying to figure out how do we die? Can't. You already did. You already did. So my answer to the question, why don't Christians sin? I don't sin because I've been made new. It isn't because I'm keeping a list of rules. It isn't even because I love Jesus. It isn't because I'm afraid of going to hell. It, it, it isn't because I'm afraid of the consequences. It is because I died. And I rose again. Will you guys have that this morning? Because that's exactly what these scriptures are teaching us here, is that, that we have died out with Jesus in here. So, so point number one, baptism of death. I want you guys to see this, and, and this, is, this is my understanding of this text. This is not referring to water baptism. All right? I think you have a real, real hard time making this water baptism. It's not water baptism. Now, I think water baptism is a real good... Um, a picture of what we're seeing here but this is talking about it says it says we've been baptized into jesus uh, we were baptized into his death we were buried in the baptism into death with jesus listen this is a literal death that has already occurred this is not going into the watery grave. This is a literal, the day that you gave your heart to Jesus, you literally had to die in order to be saved. Now, when we baptize you, we say we're going to lay you down in a watery grave, representing laying down the old man, and then we're going to raise you up in the newness of life. So that is a picture of what we're seeing here. But this is not water baptism. This is a literal thing that has happened in the spiritual realm uh, uh, that we died in Jesus. Now, let me see if this word picture will help you guys. I don't know how many of you guys are following me. This is so important. I, I really want you guys to get this. The wages of sin is death. Everybody get that? The wages of sin is death. When we sin, there has to be a penalty, and that is death. If that, if that penalty is not given, then God cannot be just. So when you come, if you guys will have this, when you come and give your heart to the Lord, whether that was a few days ago or 40 years ago, when you bow down and said, Lord, forgive me of my sins, please save my soul. You had to come to a place where you were where you were repentant of your sins. And this is what I believe happens. And this might sound a little bit uh, wild for you guys, but I really believe this is biblical. Will you guys have it that 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on a cross specifically for my sins? Gary's sins is why Jesus died. That was the wages that, that my sins, all the sins I committed from the day I was born until this day, all of those sins were given to Jesus specifically, and he had to pay the price for my sin, Right? Will you guys have it that when I came and prayed a prayer that I went back there and I, uh, that I, that I went through the death process with Jesus? But this is how I picture it. The penalty that should have been showered down on me, he just said, no, lay it on me. And he took the pain, he took the suffering, he took all the agony, uh, but I agreed that I deserved to die. So I did die. So what he's teaching us here is, I was baptized into Jesus' death. I went through the death process with Jesus. I died out to the old man. You can't be saved 
unless you've went through death with Jesus. Does everybody agree with me on that? You can't be saved unless you've went through death. Jesus. Now, this is so profound, and this, just in a second here, this is gonna, I think this is gonna change your world. I think this is really just, just uh, huge, but you gotta get this. You can't be saved unless you have died to sin. And what Paul is arguing here, he's not telling you something you should do. He's saying, how is it even possible that you could go back to that? Now, that, 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 that maybe got some of you thinking. If we are dead, and if we literally went back to the cross with Jesus and died for the sins He was paying for that belonged to me, but He took the suffering for it, if that is what happened, then I am, then I am dead in Christ. And that is exactly what this Scripture is teaching us, is that, that we died with Jesus. But then it says that, that, uh, verse four it says, therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death. So we died with him that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in a newness of life. It says in verse five, for if we, if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also walk in the likeness of his resurrection. So point number two, life after death. Now, isn't that a, isn't that a common question today? Life after death. What's going to happen after we die? Everybody here wants to know what's going to happen after we die. But this is saying I already died. And I'm already resurrected into a new life. You know, I preached, I think I preached last Sunday recently. I said, I'm never going to die. Do you know if you're a Christian, you're never going to die? You're never going to die. Your, your flesh is going to cease to exist, but, but Gary's already did all the dying he's going to do. I already died before. I'm not going to die anymore. If you're a lost person and you don't know Jesus, you have to die physically and you're going to die spiritually. But if you're a Christian, you've already did all the dying you're going to do. You're going to live forever. Amen. So Jesus rose from the grave. So here's what you guys need to get. This is really, really good. I just need you guys to get this. Lord, help me. I, I, I need you to understand this. When Jesus was here upon this earth, he lived a sinless life. We know that. He lived a sinless life. Okay? He died, and his body died, and he was put in the grave. And he came forth out of the grave, and he rose again. Was he the same after the resurrection as he was before he died? No. He was different. Now we think in terms of Jesus was not like us. Jesus was sinless before his death. He went into death sinless. He went through the death process and he rose again still sinless. So we know he didn't get purified of his sins, but things changed. He, when he was living here on this earth, he could get hungry. He could get tired. He would get, he, it says he feared. It says he learned. He, he, he took on a lot. He was tempted. He went through a lot of the things that he was a fully a human being. When he died and that body died and he went into the grave and he rose again, 
He could walk through doors without opening them. Wouldn't that be pretty cool? He could be here. Next thing you know, he's in Sandusky. Just snap of a finger. He could, uh, uh, apparently he could make his uh, appearance change where he didn't look the same. All those things are pretty cool, but, but that's really not even the big thing. He was not a mortal human being any longer. He was now a glorified person. Right? Here's what you got to get, guys. Here, here, here's, what, here's the big thing. If you slept through the whole thing, here's what you got to get. Here, this, this, is, this is monumental. Can Jesus today go back through the tomb, go back through the cross, and come back and be a regular man? Does anybody in their right mind think that makes sense? How would Jesus go from being glorified at the right hand of the Father, going back through the grave, back through death, and come back and live and be like a normal man? So why do you think you can? So why do you think you can? Why do you think that you died and you got saved and you rose to be a new person? What makes you think that now you can go back to the grave and die out and I'll be a little person that was that hasn't died? You can't. <laughs> I got a few of you follow me. I can't believe it. Thank you, Lord. So. At life after death, we are changed. We are not the same. Jesus was a different person after death than he was before death. You and I are different. I love this thing. Uh, you see this everywhere, but you got to understand this. Uh, the chains are gone. The chains are gone. If you struggled with lying, if you struggle with cussing, if you struggle with lust, if you struggle with addictions, if you struggle with anything in your life, if you, whatever it was, you were bound by sin. And literally when you died, those chains fell off. You, you were a new person. You, you are, you are risen in Christ to a newness of life. You're not the same person you used to be. But see, I think that we sometimes we have not been taught right and we don't understand right. And what we think is, I am a brand new creature in Jesus Christ. I live in Jesus Christ. I have died with Jesus Christ. I can't be that old Gary anymore. But here's what sometimes we're taught. You need to try to be a good person. You know, not what the Bible teaches. This isn't about keeping a list of rules or being a good person. This is about being in Christ. Where is Christ? Where, where's Christ? No, where, where is he right now? He's in heaven. He's at the right hand of the throne. Where's Gary? Where's Gary at? He's in heaven. He said, it doesn't look like I'm already there. You guys don't believe that? I'm in Christ. He's there. I'm there. You say, well, you're still down here. I'm just waiting for the change to happen. I'm just waiting for the change to happen. I've already died. I've already paid for my sins. I've already, uh, Christ already paid for my sins. I've already accepted that he paid for my sins. I've already died out of the flesh. I'm already walking in a newness life. I'm already in heaven with Christ because I'm in Christ. And I'm just waiting for this body to go away so I can go be with him. That is the resurrected life. That is the life after death. That is the life that we live. Our chains are gone. We are a new person. And there are so many Bible verses we could quote that, that, uh, that tell us that we are a new person when we are in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> so do you remember the message that I preached about body, soul, and spirit? And I think this really clarifies a lot. It did for me anyway. But if you are a lost person, you were, everybody's born with a body, right? That's what we can see. Everybody has a body. 
Everybody is born with a soul. Your intelligence, your emotions, your thinking, your opinion, your will, those things are all human nature. Those things are, So everybody has a body, everybody has a soul. That's all you get when you're born. If you're saved, you get a spirit. And that spirit, small as your spirit, can link up now with God's spirit, the big S, and, and, and you have a connection with God. The, the person who's not a Christian has nothing to connect to God with. Does it make sense that God allowed me to take my body and my soul and he gave me a spirit that I can now be in unity with him and that when I want to, I can just get rid of the spirit and go back to just being body and soul? Does that make sense to anybody? That doesn't make sense to anybody. I mean, that's just, that's just, that's just silly. So I am now a body, soul, and spirit that is connected to God. I am in Christ. So if any of that made any sense to you, we have died out to sin. We have crucified the old man. We are living in a newness of life. Uh, just over and over and over again, it speaks about the death process. This is not, Paul is not anywhere telling us here something we need to do, something we need to try to do, something we need to try to accomplish. It's already done. And I don't know where everybody's at here this morning, but I do fear that we have Christians who are genuinely saved that are still trying to kill the old person. You're already dead. You listen, you're either on your way to hell or you're dead. You don't get two choices. There's not a sort of dead, I'm feeling sick. No, you're either dead or you're on your way to hell, right? I mean, that's the two choices there are. So if you've died, you don't get to try harder to kill yourself. You're already dead. And now we are to walk in that newness of life, and, and that, is, uh, that is living the resurrected life after death, and we are to be changed like Jesus was changed when he rose from the grave. So number three, <clears throat> this is really important, and it? Uh, if, if you guys can just get this, reversing the resurrection. Kind of got ahead of myself a little bit a while ago on that, but with this point, but <clears throat> so I can't even put it into words. So George, I, I can't even, I can't even try to describe to you, but when you came down here as a sinner with all of your sins being condemned to hell and you gave your life to Jesus Christ and made him the Lord of your life and repented of your sins and literally took the, the uh, death of Jesus for your sins and, and, and owned that, something supernatural happened. Will you guys have that? Something su- It wasn't just, oh, I made up my mind to be a Christian. No, something in the spiritual realm, something supernatural happened, and it, and it changed everything. It changed in the spiritual realm. It changed in heaven. It changed here on earth. Everything changed. Something supernatural happened, and you are no longer that person you used to be. They died. You are now a brand new person in Jesus Christ who lives in Jesus Christ, and that is a supernatural act of God. Does it make any sense that now you can reverse that process? Does that make any sense at all? See, after a supernatural thing happened, you came to the altar, you died out, you accepted Jesus' payment for your sins, you're resurrected uh, in a newness of life, you're in Christ, and, 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 and you're living as, if you will, as a redeemed uh, person who's ready for heaven right now. Listen, if the, if the, if the rapture were to come this very second, you guys get this. This, this, this is really important. You guys get this. I just thought, if, if the resurrection or the, 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 uh, the, uh, rapture was to come at this very second, there's no changes need to be made. I'm going to get rid of this. 
Some people say my clothes will be laying in a pile, you know, all kinds of different things. I don't know about that. I, but here's what I know. I'm not taking this with me. But what's on the inside? It's ready for heaven right this second. I don't have to say, okay, the rapture's coming. I got a couple prayers I got to say. I got a few things fixed. I got, no, I'm ready for heaven right now. Let that sink in a little bit. If you're not ready for heaven, you got to come to the altar. But if you're ready for heaven, there's nothing needs to change. You are heaven bound right now. And any second we could be there. Hallelujah. Think about that. Any second we could go. So I'm ready for heaven right now. And so are you if you're a Christian. Nothing has to change. So think about everything we've learned. And it's just what the Bible says. How do you as a resurrected person after death, who is now has a resurrected spirit, if you will, that is no longer anything like your old spirit, how do you go back into the tomb, back, backwards through the resurrection, go back over to the cross, die, and then come back on this side of the cross and live as a normal person? Am I making sense to anybody? How could you do that? I'm not even saying if you want to. I'm saying, how could you? God supernaturally changed everything and you're going to undo what God did and you're going to over supernaturally go back through that whole process and you're going to become a, a sinner again. I, it's so plain when you really look at it. It's so plain. Death is permanent. You know, of all the things, you know, they make that old joke, uh, that, that old joke, what is it? So there's two things you can count on, taxes and death. Right? <laughs> well, one thing I know you can count on, death. You can probably count on taxes too, but anyways... <laughs> Death is for sure. Everyone's going to die. And God gave us that as an illustration of something that is concrete and that is unchangeable. Listen, we don't have people that die and after they've been dead for a long time, all of a sudden they're back in church and they're, they're here again. I mean, wouldn't that be kind of fun? Wouldn't that be a little bit? Imagine just coming in here and we just had a, I mean, we could fill this church up 10 times with all the people that have died in this church. What if we came back and they were just sitting in the pews? I mean, we think, yeah, that's just a lot, right? But some people are doing that spiritually. They're trying to take their sins, jump back into the grave, jump back up on the cross, then jump back off the cross and live the life they used to live. So here's the question. Here's the, you say, Pastor, that, that makes a little tiny bit of sense. I understand just a little bit of it. I, 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 I'm, I'm with you just a little bit. But if this is true, how do we explain all we see from Christians? So I've just taught you that if you die, you're dead. You can't die anymore. I've just taught you that's not something you're trying to do. That's something that you are. I've taught you that you've been resurrected into life. I've taught you that that's not reversible, that you can't go back through the grave and come back to being the other person. I've taught you that and you say, well, maybe I a little bit understand, but I don't get everything I see in church. I'm going to make a real bold statement here. I believe it is biblical. I believe it is accurate. Everybody here knows that if you've been in church, if you've been in church for five minutes, you've seen Christians do some sinful things. Am I right? Anybody here ever see Christians do some bad things? Right? We could tell some stories, amen? We've seen Christians do some bad things. But I just got through preaching to you that Christians don't sin, and I just got through preaching to you that they can't go back and be sinners. You say, Pastor, explain it. I'm going to right now. I have two things to say, and I believe this covers, I believe this covers everything. I really, really do. If you are a Christian and you are sinning, there are one of two things that are true about you. Number one, you're ignorant. Number two, you've never been saved. I don't believe there are any other categories. I, I really don't. I, I believe you're ignorant, but you've never been saved. 
Now you can say you're saved, continue living a sinful life, and you can go to hell. Am I right? You can say you're a Christian, say you've been saved, you can live a sinful life, and guess what? You get to go to hell. But you can also live, you can also be a Christian and be ignorant and do things you shouldn't do and still be saved. And when the time comes that you do know and you don't change, if you're saved, there will be grave consequences. Now, I just believe that's clearly what the Bible teaches. So, if that is true, and I'm quite sure that it is, <clears throat> do you understand your pastor's strong stance on strong biblical preaching? Listen, we don't need to just come out here and be entertained and feel good and get a blessing and enjoy ourselves and go out here shouting hallelujah. We need to come out here and learn what God says. It is the only difference between those who are living uh, a genuine resurrected life and those who are living a defeated life. We learned in Sunday school that we, we already have the victorious Christian life. We don't have to pray for it. We don't have to ask God to give it to us. We don't have to work to achieve it. We already got it. But a whole lot of people are not living that life. You know why? They haven't been taught that in the Bible that that's what you already have. When you're taught that you already have it, you say, hey, I think I'll start living it. It's, it's, it's that simple. But we have, we have people that, that don't know things are wrong. And I'm not trying to be unkind here. God knows my heart. I'm not trying to be unkind. This, this hits very close to your pastor's heart. I've seen a lot of Christians been in church for 40 years. I mean, I'm talking about they go Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They're in church every time the doors are open. They've been in church for 40 years, and they don't know right and wrong. They don't know right and wrong. How many of you, just out of curiosity, just, I'm, I'm not being mean here or anything. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just trying to make a point here. How many of you, because if everyone here wants to be honest, every, every single person here raise your hand. How many of you have been in church and you have seen people who called themselves Christians, hated somebody in the church so bad they would not speak to them and, it, and they shot the house down? You know why? No one's ever told them, listen, Christians don't do that. Christians don't do that. The Bible says Christians don't do that. When you point out to them, they say, oh, you mean I'm not allowed to hate Charles and still be a Christian? I thought I was. And now i got to change. How many people don't realize it? Renee just told me this recently. How many Christians don't realize it is a sin to worry? How many of you know it's a sin to worry? It is a sin to worry. Oh, I'm just a worrier. No, you're sinning. A lot of people spend their whole life sinning, but when they realize that worry is a sin, they have to say, oh, I gotta stop doing that because it's a sin. There, I mean, we could just go on and on and on and on all of the things that we see people do. But how many, is there anybody here would agree with me? There are a lot of people in church that just never been told what they're not supposed to do. How many of you know there are a lot of churches where the women aren't taught how to dress? I'm not talking about wearing a church, dress church on Sunday, I'm talking about covering up your nakedness. So if a girl genuinely loves Jesus, has been born again, is on her way to heaven, and her pastor has never said, you're showing your nakedness, is that girl guilty or is her pastor guilty? It's her pastor. And that girl might love Jesus more than any one of you. And she'd run around naked. Is anybody going to have this this morning? What I'm saying is, Guilt comes when you understand. The pastor's job is to help you understand that you are sinning. When you understand you're sinning, if you've been resurrected, you're going to quit sinning. And if you don't quit sinning, I'm going to have to say you're probably not saved. You're probably going to go to hell. And I just think this clears up so much muddy water. 
And you say, Pastor, it hurts my feelings that you say I'm ignorant. I've been in church a long time. How dare you say I'm ignorant? You hurt my feelings. Okay, you're not ignorant. You're, so, you're lost. You're on your way to hell. I mean, you can pick the one you want. If, you, if it hurts your feelings, I say you're ignorant. You can be lost, okay? So I don't think you're ignorant anymore. Uh, I think you're lost. But ignorance, if we're really honest about it, ignorance a lot of times is the blame on the guy standing behind the pulpit. That's really where it goes. Because most people who come to church, they want to know what God says if someone will tell them. We talked about we talked about liberal churches and a lot of churches, you know, a lot of churches are around and they don't preach the Bible and they don't preach on sin. So can you go to those liberal churches, genuinely give your heart to the Lord, genuinely die out to sin, genuinely be resurrected and be living a Christian life and your pastor never tells you it's wrong to sleep with your girlfriend, it's wrong to do this, it's wrong to that, and all these other things and you continue doing those things because your pastor never told you, but you're doing all you know. Is anybody going to have this? I'm just saying... The resurrected life is not working harder to keep a list of rules. The resurrected life is not working harder to die. The resurrected life is I am free from my sins. I am living a Christian life. And when I understand what the Bible says, I want to do it because I'm a new person. And if you don't have that, you're not going to heaven. We can argue all day long, but the Bible is crystal clear. If you've not been made new, you are not saved. Can I get an amen? If you've not been made new, you cannot go to heaven. And I can't figure out how God makes you brand new and you undo all that and you become old again. I can't figure out how you do that because I think the Bible says once we're resurrected, we have eternal life and we, and we are now living the resurrected life. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we made together and embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.